can be. I'm so glad Christmas is over and I can go back on my diet. I had to quit my diet in Thanksgiving, and I was thankful for that. And then, then all of a sudden, Christmas comes up right behind it. I think that's a setup. I think they do that on purpose. Uh, and then, then it's just terrible. Me and Beth are going to the, the Fat Boy Ranch. We're going to try to get as many weeks out of it as we can. Uh, we're going to fat shame each other so that we can lose some weight. <laughs> that's funny now. Come on, man. That's what it, You're supposed to be happy about that stuff. Take your Bibles. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 2. I tell you what, I just, I just, this is a great book, man. It's just so amazing when you sit down and read it. I was, I was looking at this passage, kept looking at it, and you know, turned it upside down, looked at it sideways. I did everything in the world to look at it. And I was trying to get something out of it, and I, I knew exactly which way I wanted to go with it. I just didn't know how to say what I wanted to say. And I just, y'all pray that I get through this thing. Uh, Gen, or Matthew chapter 2, I was going to say Genesis 21. Matthew 2, verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Uh, for we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the, the people together, he demanded of them, where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not uh, the least among the, uh, the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people. Then Herod, when he had privately called the uh, wise man, inquired of them diligently uh, what time the, the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and said, Go and search uh, diligently for the young child, and when thou hast found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they, had, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, and when they were come in uh, the house, they saw the young child with, his mother, uh, with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had uh, opened the treasures, they presented unto him gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed in their own country. Father, again, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for the story. It's a good old story, same old story. It's always been. Uh, Lord, but it's, it's just the same as it, uh, as it will be. And Lord, of, of all the things that we could have read this morning, Lord, I think this is exactly what we need. Uh, bless uh, this message, Lord. Bless our church. And Lord, give us, uh, the speaker and the hearer, Lord, the, the ability to understand the Word of God and let it change our lives. Lord, again, thank you for our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This time of year, Lord, the world celebrates, as it was said earlier, Lord, they celebrate the birth of Christ. And Lord, it was much more than just a birth. And Lord, I just want to thank you for showing us and showing me especially, Lord, what a blessing. 42 years. Uh, Lord, I wouldn't trade it for anything in this world. Bless this morning now, Father, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Title of this message is Wise Men, Ignorant Men, and Jesus. Uh, you know, you got a Bible sitting in front of you. It's an amazing book. And these wise men, they come from afar. They come from a, a distance well off. Uh, they, they came looking for something, and we have it. And, and brother, I'll tell you what, if you're sitting in this room today and you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you've got it. There is nothing anybody can do. The wise men saw a sign in the sky. They have been looking for their whole life. I like the Bereans over there. Acts 17, 11 says, They were more notable, Paul said this, than those in Thessalonica, and they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. You got a Bible sitting in front of you with all the answers in it. You don't have, it's an open book test. It's an open book exam. You do not have to worry about failing this exam. Uh, this thing can be passed by any, anybody, I'll say ignorant man. Uh, wise men, ignorant men, and Jesus. You don't, you don't have to fail this exam. All you got to do is read the book. I like, I like the Navy. The Navy always gave us uh, multiple choice questions. That's dangerous too. Uh, but if you know anything about the subject matter and you do a multiple choice, you're just liable to pass that stupid thing. I did that one time. Biggest mistake I ever made in my life, man. I mean, I, I thought, well, hey, I'll read the question. should have never just read the question. I should have just chose A, B, C, or D, and went down and never even read the question. Because the moment I read the question, and then I look at the four answers, and I just choose one real quick. If, you, if you're familiar with the subject matter at all, 
Chances are it's a good idea, a good, good chance you're going to pass that test. Well, I did. That messed me up in my Navy career. I mean, it just messed my whole life up. You say, why would it do that? Because I didn't listen. But I got a book sitting in front of me that's open book. Anytime I want to get this thing, I can do it. The wise men. There's three groups of people here. There's wise men. They sit from afar, and they was watching. 1,400 years ago, 1,450 years before this day, or not this day, before that day, back when Jesus was a young child. Numbers 24, 17 says, I shall see him, but not now. I read this scripture before. I shall behold him, but not now. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. 538 B.C., Daniel was writing in Babylon. In, in verse 925, and, or actually, yeah, 925 says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. They knew exactly when Jesus was going to appear on this planet. They, the scribes and the elders had everything down. They knew it. They weren't looking. Isn't it amazing that a group of wise men from the Far East was looking in the West and seeing that star pop up in the sky? And they were looking for something. For, for 1,400 years at least, they were looking for that star. Diligently, generation after generation. I've mentioned this past, I've had this in, in another message before. But generation after generation after generation after generation went away. They're still looking. Brother, why are we looking today? We just, we just went through what we call Christmas. The world calls Christmas. I call it the birth of Jesus Christ. He was born a baby, but here he's a young child. He's no longer a baby. Every one of our nativity, oh boy, this is going to set some, our nativity scenes are all wrong. Amen. They'll show you, they'll show you Jesus and the manger and the wise men sitting right there. That's two years apart. The wise men don't show up. The manger scene's already gone from a long time ago. You're, in, you're into his house right now. It says in the passage area, they came to his home where the young child was. The child is not a babe in the manger anymore. He's a young child. And the wise men are looking. The star pops up and the Lord says, hey, go to where this young guy is. So what do they do? They, they, are you a rebel in here today? Man, there's so many rebels anymore. These guys are right, right where they need to be. The wise men, guess who they come to? Herod first. They said, I'm coming into your kingdom. I'm coming into your realm. And I'm following the star. And Herod goes, what? He goes, you would think he would know. And you would think his scribes and his Pharisees would know. And the, you would think they'd all get that, but they didn't. How come the wise men, because they're over there looking? You know what's wrong with most of us today? We quit looking. We just live in this world. I was, I was telling in Sunday school class, I'm reading through Haggai. I read, you don't have to read, it's only two chapters. It's not like it's a really heavy reading. But in, I think it's in Haggai or right in the front of uh, Zechariah. I got the two mixed up, but they're both uh, contemporary with each other. But Haggai, I believe it was Haggai, he, he's sitting there and he's slamming Israel because of coming out of, uh, out of Babylon. All the wealth that they got there has messed them up. You know what's messed up America is the wealth. We have so much wealth, we don't know how to let go. You know what the Jews' problem is today? Wealth. They don't know how to let go of the stuff. They had a problem. They went over to Babylon. Get what? They got sucked in. And pretty soon, all they know is, now, I'm not saying you should be poor. I'm not saying that. But, man, there is a definite danger of, of living in a society like we live in where wealth is so easy to get. People say, well, I can't get it that easy. You're not trying. There's a thousand ways to make money all day long if you want to. If you're sitting in a building somewhere and you go punch a clock and punch a clock and punch a don't think you're ever going to make much money. you got to get out and use your little brain. The, the much matter that God stuck between your head. You can make a ton of money in this country all day long. I don't care how bad it gets, you can still make money. Money's easy. That's easy stuff. What will happen is that hook will get in there, and pretty soon you ain't got enough. And a, another dollar won't make you happy. Another $10 won't make you happy. Another million won't make you happy. Ten million. I, I heard a guy the other day say he, he had a couple hundred million. He didn't care no more. I'll bet you he does. I bet she's trying to get that couple 300 million now. You say, well, how do you know that? Because that's what they all do. A million dollars will never be enough. You'll say, well, I need this. Why? Because your lifestyle is going to change. Pretty soon you're going to go on. You say, what is it? That's, that's wise men. These wise men are wealthy men. They saw a star in the sky. You know what I like about them guys? They didn't hesitate. They seen something and they, started, they were looking for something and they kept looking for something and they kept looking for something. And when that thing peered in the sky, they took off and went after it. I told them today in Sunday school, my whole life changed in 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds, max. I was sitting at a red light in Louisville, Kentucky. 
This finger was broke. I told him in Sunday school class the exact same thing. I'll tell you all the same thing. That finger right there stopped me from getting the Navy three times because you got to have all your fingers until it work. I done gave it up. I come up to a red light. I parked it. I stopped at that red light no longer than 45, 60 seconds. I looked over, and there's a Navy recruiter trailer. And in 45 to 60 seconds, the Holy Spirit convinced me to go over and join the Navy, and my life changed 100% in 30 seconds, maybe 40 seconds. You say, what is that? What are you saying? I'm saying God will change your life sometimes. He'll open a door right in front of you, and he'll say, walk through it, chicken. Are you afraid to walk through it? I said, no, man. I'm not. You know what I've learned a long time ago? If I see two doors and one of them I can see through and the other one I can't, chances are the one that you can't see through is the one you want to go to. You said, well, that's stupid. If I know what this one is, that can't be it because he's never going to give me what I think I should know. He's always going to make me trust him. And I'm like, every door I've ever went through is black as it could be. These guys, you know what they did? They jumped on camels, man, and went a far distance to go see where this star was going to stop. My question is, is why didn't Herod and all the rest of the people see that star? Because I don't think God opened their eyes up to it. They didn't hesitate. No hesitation, man. They departed search for the king. They're looking for the king. Who are you looking for today? We just come through, a little baby is born. He's not a little baby no more. He's two years old, at least two years old. Right up at two years, somewhere a year and a half, two years old. And these guys are coming from afar with a camel train with riches and wealth and everything else to give this young boy. And they want to see the king. Boy, I tell you what, if some of us would just get that in our hearts that, hey, I just want to go see the king. I want to go see the king. We have problems in churches today because people are looking at other people thinking, why don't I have what they have? Or why can't they like me? Or why isn't this happening? Or why isn't that happening? When you're looking at the wrong thing. You know what you should be looking at is Jesus. I have been trying to look at Jesus for 42 years. I'm trying to keep my eyes on Jesus and nobody else. And what I find out is if I get my eyes off everybody else, I have a pretty good time. These guys right here have got to the place in their life. You've got to narrow your, your vision down to where you do just what God told you to do and let everything else go, man. You can't, you can't do everything. I don't know, man, you, you would think that somehow he would put that in our heads and when we're born we can understand. And as you get four or five, you realize, I can't do everything, so I'm just going to narrow the thing down. But for some reason, we think the whole world is, that, they tell you, the whole world is before you. That's the stupidest thing you ever heard in your life. You know what you ought to do is figure out what you like to do and do that. Amen. And when you get sick of that, try the next thing. Don't try 47 things. You'll, you'll be a master at, at what is it, a, a jack of all trades and a master of none. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. <laughs> he calls himself Jack Leg. He signs everything. He'll come and work. He'll put Jack Leg. He's not a Jack Leg, but that's he signs it. Uh, I guess it gets him out of trouble if something goes wrong. But, but they hesitated not. They, did, they departed, man. They got on the camels and left. Uh, you, you hear stories about them guys running through the desert and everything else. The Ethiopian eunuch come up from Ethiopia all the way up just to go to church. We complain because we have to drive 30 minutes. Ethiopian eunuch didn't have a problem with that. He, he, went, all, he went like 1,500 miles on a camel, maybe a chariot, to come to church. And left without getting what he thought he was going to come and get. He had to get it from somebody else. God had to send him Philip on the way back to give him what he needed. 1,500 miles there and 1,500 miles back, and he still didn't get what he, but you know what he did? He still went to church. You know what the eunuch wanted to do? He was reading his Bible on the way out trying to still figure the thing out. You know what our problem is? Is we quit trying to figure it out. Well, I'm, I got it. I'm going to get to that in just a second. <laughs> he, brought them, he brought with them gifts. People said, oh, you talk about is money. They don't have a problem with it. You know why you probably got a problem with money? It's because you got a problem with money. If you ever get to the place where you don't have a problem with money, you won't have a problem with money. Amen. Now, that may not make a lot of sense to you, but I'm telling you, it just doesn't matter. I jumped on a plane the other day, 100 bucks went out, uh, out to Moab. I mean, I should have listened to my, my heart. Moab. Moab is just not a place to go for nothing. Uh, Ruth left Moab. <laughs> Naomi went to Moab. Her husband died, her kids died, everything died. <laughs> Moab is just not the place to go, but I go, man, hard-headed, and you think I'd learn my lesson. I read my Bible, I know exactly, but I got in and got out. I did not stay in Moab. I can say that. I said, I went to Moab, but I left. I think I learned from Ruth, man. You only stay there two hours and get out. But you sit there and say, what was it? They brought gifts with them. I didn't, I, you know, I can go fly, and it doesn't cause, Beth thinks I'm out of my mind. My mom thinks I'm out of my mind. I just don't really care. I mean, if I can get an airplane ticket for 100 bucks, and I can get me a yellow Jeep, brand new, for $45. And 
and I can go ride around in the Rocky Mountains for the day and then come back, that's a pretty cool thing, man. You say, what is it? I don't need no vacation, man. I'll just go out and ride, fly out there for a day. I know exactly where to go, man. I know exactly where I can get my car. I can get a four-wheel drive all day long, any kind I want. 45 bucks a day, I could go from Denver, Colorado in a circle out there for as far as I want. Jump back on a plane and come home. 250 bucks and have a blast. I got me $50 worth of beef jerky over in Moab. I chewed on that stuff all the way back. You say, what is that? Fun, man. I mean, it's, you, you can't be afraid to do something when God sticks it in front of you. When, you. when you have that fear, you'll never do nothing for him. You know why I like these wise guys? Because they're wise guys. <laughs> they're smart. They came. They came. Look at verse 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, wrote, I drove 23 hours from Moab to Louis, uh, Dayton, Ohio, and I was not exceedingly great joy about nothing. And even after I got home, I was hurting. I'd get out of the car like this. Ugh. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but I mean, after a while, your body locks up. Mine does anyways. Maybe it's age. I have no idea about it. But they came rejoicing with a great, you know what? They seen that star over there, and, they, and God had showed them something. And he brought it to fruition in their lives. And they're right there in front of this house. And all of a sudden, they realize the king is inside that place. And I get to go see the king, man, the king. I saw him, Brother Thomas. said, you go to jail today? He goes, yeah. He goes, I didn't get, nobody got saved, right? But I got to preach to seven people. What's wrong with that? But I'm telling you what, what we've lost is the joy of seeing the king. Or telling somebody about him. I don't know what happened to us, man. We're just, we messed the thing up. I'm trying to set up a revival, and it looks like it might be April, but that's okay. I was talking to the two preachers yesterday, and I got to call one back, and if I can get this thing set up, it'll just be like two or three weeks before Dr. Peacock gets here. You say, why would you do that? Because it'll bring you up to here, and maybe you'll get to there. <laughs> I don't want to start down here. We're going to already get us up to here somewhere, so we're ready for when he comes in, we'll just go on over the top. You say, why would you do that? Because it's been a bad couple of years. And we just need something. I, you may not, I do. I just need to get back to where I got my shout back. You say, it sounds like you got it. No, I don't. It could be worse than this. They came to worship a newborn king. But he's a little child. Then you got the wise men. Now you got the ignorant men. Go back to verse, verse, uh, verse 2. He says, saying, the, the wise men are saying, saying, where is the Verse 1, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men. You know, Herod, Herod has been there. He's been a king since 37 B.C. He was made, uh, he got into the government offices at 15 years old. Uh, he was appointed into the government offices of Judea. At, at uh, 18, I believe he was anointed, appointed uh, king of Judea. And he's been the king since 37 B.C. Uh, if Christ came 4 B.C., which I never figured that one out yet. I know the calendars, all this other stuff. But 4 B.C., just, I mean, when's your birthday? 4 B.C. When were you born? 4 B.C. I'm like, no, I was born. If, if time starts with it, it should be zero. But I, we'll worry about that later. Get to heaven and ask him, why, the, why in the world can't we get our calendars right? And he'll say, because you're ignorant men. <laughs> I say, okay, man, I got it. Have been since 37 B.C. He was complacent. You know what our danger is today is being complacent. You, I'm telling you what, you sit there and everything just goes. You need troubles is what you need. I heard Dr. Peacock, the old preacher. He's the old preacher now. He's older than me, so it makes him old, so I'll just say the old preacher. I heard him say, he goes, he, goes, he was talking about one of his guys that passed away and used to work out with him. And he goes, he told him, he said, you can hurt or you can go on. No, he said, you can quit or you can go on. But it's going to hurt either way. If you quit, you know what? You got to deal with quitters. Quitters never win and winners never quit. You got to, I hate to be, I hate quitters, man. I was in boot camp. Oh, I can still see that fat pig. Oh, I shouldn't say that. We were going for the big chicken, man. You don't even know what the big chicken is. But if you had the big chicken and the little chicken and the other 37 flags, you just bypassed everybody and got into the chow hall. That's important before everybody else. They had to back up. You ever seen a whole platoon back up and let you in? You had to parallel park and all that other stuff. You had to, you had to learn how to park a platoon. And, and they had, you come in there with your flags walking, man. I mean, 
It's arrogant bunch of stuff. But I mean, we had all the flags and we had to run a mile and a half. And all, it was in a building. I mean, all you had to do is I got 14, 15 laps, whatever it was. We got on the, all the way on the last lap, all the way around till he had a quarter of that last lap to do. I mean, it was like from here to the sign back there. He could have rolled. We couldn't touch him. He had to get across that line by himself. He quit. I mean, here's, here's 90 men, 89, yelling at him, doing everything we can to get him up off that ground. He kept us from getting the big chicken. That's the big old flag. And that's the one that gets you in. You're talking about 80, 89 men mad at somebody? We just ready to kill that guy, man. We're going to send him to another platoon somewhere else, like the medical platoon. You say, why would you do that? Because you don't quit. You, you crawl, you do whatever you can, and you just keep moving your fingers, man. If you got to, you do whatever you can. You don't quit until you take your last breath. It's going to hurt either way you look at it. Man, I tell you what, if you quit, man, you're going to lay there and it's going to hurt. If you get up and run, it's going to hurt. I fell off a roof one time, broke my foot, smashed my face, everybody laughing at me. I got back up on the roof with a broken foot and finished roofing the roof. You said, that's stupid. Probably was. But I had to get the roof roofed. And nobody else was there doing it. They were all laughing. <laughs> Blood dripping down my face, everything else. I got shot with a nail in my finger one time and had a nail gun. I mean, a, a 16 penny nail shot right there. They all laughed about that. Every time I get hurt, they laugh. I've never figured that out. Beth told me, she says, you're one of the funniest guys I've ever met. I'm like, I don't know if I like you laughing at me like that. They were complacent. I've realized in life, you can't wait for life to catch up with you. You got to run with it, man. If you're going to be in this thing called life, it's flying by so quick right now that all you, I got to get rid of everything I got so I can just catch the moments that I need. I've been praying hard. I said, Lord, don't let me waste the last couple years I got. Don't let me waste them. If I got to get rid of everything, even Beth, I'll get rid of her too. I mean, if I have to get rid of everything, I'll get rid of all of it. Why? Because I can give a couple more minutes to him. Why? Because he gave it all to me. <laughs> I don't know why people don't get that, man. I, Tim was up here, man. I was getting depressed when he was doing his uh, money. I mean, I don't. I hope y'all gave when he gave that diatribe on. I mean, I was going back up, going, oh, God. <laughs> But it was, you know, when you sit there and look at it, you got to let some of this stuff out of the way and, and you don't have much time. Time is so valuable, you can't replace the second. You, once the second's gone, no matter amount of money can replace that thing. Herod, Herod got complacent. He was unaware of what had occurred in not a, seven miles away from him. Jesus was born. And you're telling me in two years, the son of God's born and you don't know nothing about it? There is something wrong with our hearts when, when we miss that thing with Jesus Christ. There's something wrong. Something in our lives somewhere has to click and say, hey, there's something missing. And then you got to start looking at that. They never get complacent. Just start looking. What's missing? You don't have to know what's missing. Just find out what's missing. Start looking for what's missing. And guess what? You'll eventually find it. That's how I became a great tech. I knew it was broke. I know something's broke. I'm just going to keep looking until I find out what's broke. And you keep looking long enough, you will find the component that's broke. I got in an argument with the Ford dealer the other day. I said, don't tell me you can't fix that thing. I said, what you fix for 3500 bucks? I can fix for 37 cents. Well, I don't know. Chips might cost a little more than that now. But I'm telling you, you know what it is? You just look and you look and you look and you can find it. Oh, well, we can't do that. No, yeah, that's right. You can't. But somebody else can. You never quit. You never quit. He was complacent, unaware of what occurred. He was caught off guard when the wise man approached. Now, I'll tell you, what, he's sitting there for 37 years thinking, oh, man, I'm cool, man. I'm in control here. I can do whatever I want. People's hand, their lives are in my hand. Here comes these three wise guys, exceedingly happy. They're excited. Where is the king of the Jews? I mean, no, 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 you're too big. This one was just born. You ain't got a star, by the way. He's got a star. You don't have a star. He warrants a star. He, he deserves a star. He gets the star. He's like, he done graduated first grade, man. He gets it right there, big old star. But this one flies in the sky. It's not like you. This man, this boy is not like any of us. And they drove a long way on their camels to get there to find out. He was caught off guard. Why in the world would we be caught off guard when Jesus is around? Man, I've, I've talked to Christians before. I've heard that before. Yeah, you probably heard this before. I've heard that before. Nothing new there. Well, one of these days, the Lord's going to walk right past you, and you ain't even going to see it. 
And that little hair on the back of your head ain't going to come up like that. And, and I'm like, I need to get right. I already know that. I, I, I got so much stuff wrong with me. I need to get right. I am backslidden like you. Can, I can't even tell you how backslidden I am. I want to get right. I say, oh, God, I want to get right. So you call a preacher, talk to them, open on the phone. Then you try to get right with them, and they hang up on you because they don't want to get right either. Brother, have you ever talked to somebody, and they just want to get off the phone? I mean, all you want to say is, hey, I want to talk about Jesus, click. Next, <laughs> go through your phone book, see if you can find somebody who wants to talk about Jesus anymore. They just don't want to do it. Most people don't want to anymore. He became concerned and was disturbed. Look at verse 3. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. I would too be. I would be real troubled. Here comes a guy who's going to take your place. And you don't know who he is. He deserves your place. He warrants your place. It is his anyways. And all Jerusalem was, was with him. They were all scared. You know what's amazing? I'm going to get to that. I'm going to jump ahead of myself just a little bit. But Mary and Joseph and Jesus is in Bethlehem. You know, they really just don't even care that the wise man showed up in, in uh, Jerusalem. If it, man, I tell you what, could you imagine if they had these stupid things back then? All of Bethlehem would have been scared too. And everybody would have been scared. But they didn't have this stuff. And they didn't have Pony Express. The wise men pop up and all of a sudden everybody sees this caravan come into Jerusalem. I mean, it's like everybody know, hey, it's a caravan. Caravan just pulled up. I wonder what they got on this caravan. These guys look like they got lots of money. They got lots of camels, lots of stuff. What are they here for? And they go right to the castle to see the king. And then the next thing you know, the king is like, uh-oh. They're here for a king, but I'm the king. And they're going, now all of a sudden he's not getting complacent anymore. Now he wants to find out, but he does the wrong things. He became concerned and disturbed, was now conscious of his rival. There, you, you would think that this world, we have Jesus every year. The world sees us, and we have what they call Christmas. And they look at us, and two days after that, I had a friend. Uh, Steve knows him, uh, Steve or uh, Keith. And Keith, I mean, he hated, he hated Christians. He hated, he hated everything. He hated you, he hated me, he hated his family, he hated his dog. He looked in the mirror and says, I hate you too. He hated everything. And I asked him one time, and it took me a long time before I could ever get to even talk to him or he talked to me. And finally we started talking with him. I said, Keith, why do you hate everything? He goes, I used to work at Walmart. I said, that'd make you hate everything. <laughs> I said, I'm with you there, man. I don't like Walmart either. He goes, it wasn't that, man. He goes, all these Christians would come in at Christian time and, and buy. See, his mind was a Christian. When you say Christian, you're all the same. It's like Muslim, you're all the same. And he goes, he said, Christians would go buy all this stuff, and I was a manager at Walmart, and they'd bring it all back, and then I'd have to do it. I just hate it. I'm like, yeah, I guess more work, man. I'd hate that too. And we sit here and started talking, and then after a while one day he realized that all Christians weren't the same. That changed his life when he found that out. And then shortly thereafter, I don't know, maybe a year or two, Steve was talking to him, and he said he'd saved, he was saved. The whole time he was saved, just backslidden as a Christian. You know what? In a, in, a, in a church somewhere, in a city somewhere, there's somebody who needs some help. And they need to see some real people who really do what... We just come out of Christmas and we're worshiping the little baby in a manger. But he's not a baby no more. He is now a young boy. And these guys are coming far away. You know you can worship Jesus just about any time? You don't have to wait until tomorrow or the next day. You can do it today. The wise man did it when he was a little boy. The, the shepherds did it in the manger. Most people did it when he'd come out of the tomb. I do it. I try to do it all the time. You can do it anytime you want. You don't have to wait for anything, any special time to worship Jesus. I liked him when he said that. Why do we wait to Christmas to have a, a Christmas? It should be in July. I mean, July 4th, you got all the fireworks and everything going on. That would be the great time right there, man. Woohoo! Jesus! And get some, get some fireworks because Jesus saves in the sky. That would be cool. Chinese guys can do anything, man. They'll make it. He is now conscious of his revival, but he refused to change. You know what's wrong with a lot of us? We just get set in our ways. We just refuse, refuse to change. you got to learn how to change. And I don't say change if you don't have to change. But if the Lord shows you something, you need to change it. You say, well, I yeah, we all fail. Who doesn't? We're all a mess. Who isn't? For all of sin to come short of the glory of God, I got it. I know that. I'm the biggest failure of all of them. You know what you do? You say, Lord, I got to change. He goes, yep, you got to change. 
The Lord, I don't know how to change. He goes, okay, let's, I'll show you. And you pick up a Bible and start reading the thing, and you move on down the road. He's deceptive. Look at verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Oh, can you tell me what time? I would like to come and watch. You know, people who say they're what they say, they aren't always what they say. Just because they speak soft, I hear people, oh, I, wish, I wish you would talk like that. They used to get mad at me all the time because my voice is deep at work. I can't help but talk like this. And then when I get excited, it gets worse. And they say, well, you need to, be, you need to learn how to be more gentle. Eh, sorry, ain't going to happen. I don't know how to do that. I ain't got enough time in my life left to do that. The only thing you can do is get rid of me and let somebody else do this that's gentle. I can't be that way. I don't like gentle, by the way. I like people in my face, man. That's why I like the Navy. I love the Navy. The Navy's just the greatest thing in the whole world. A guy told me a story one time about four generals, three generals and a captain or an admiral, and they're all bragging about how great their militaries are. I still tell you, the Navy's it, man. I don't care about anything, really. I mean, I'll put my Navy up against any branch of the service in the planet uh, and, and not even hesitate, not even hesitate. Now, you may beat us, but I still think we're going to win. I think if you go into something, you ought to think you're going to win. But, but he goes, General's all sitting there talking. When he gets down to the sailor, I'll cut this thing short. He, he goes down and says, I'll show you how brave a Navy guy is. Watch this. We'll go down there, go to pier. Ten stories up on our yard arm is a seaman up there painting the yard arm. Admiral says, watch this, watch this. And he's talking to these three generals, Air Force, Army, and Navy, or Marine generals. He goes, hey, sailor. And he goes, what? <laughs> and he goes, jump off there and smash yourself on the pier. And he goes, you're out of your mind. He goes, no, that's bravery. <laughs> He goes, that guy's got some guts, man. <laughs> you can see an admiral down there. He shines, man, like a light bulb down there on the pier. You couldn't miss that guy. He's got so much gold on him, he couldn't miss it. Generals, man, I mean, I don't know. Our, our, our admirals, I mean, they dress, they dress the nines, man. They, they look like admirals. I mean, they got just gold and white everywhere, man. I mean, it's, you can't miss them. They just shine like light bulbs down there. You say, well, what is that? It's, it's our Navy. It's, you, you should be, a, you should always always, always know exactly, never be deceptive in what you're doing. This guy was deceptive. He's trying to tell these guys, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. If you're going to say that you're something, you ought to be what you say you are. You say, well, the, your Navy may, well, my Navy may lose. I don't know, but I sure think it can win up to now. I thought it could when I was in there. I was proud. I was, I was excited about going on. They thought I was out of my mind every day I come to you. Let's get underway. You say, why would you do that? Because sailors belong on ships. That anchor song, I was getting ready to correct you on that. Because an old senior chief told me one time. Sailors belong on ships. Ships belong at, or, sailors belong on ships. Ships belong at sea. And your wife didn't come in your sea bag. I'm like, yes. Out to sea, man. A ship isn't, it isn't even ready to work unless it's out at sea. You got to have that thing out there. You know, you're, you're supposed to be out in the field working. You're supposed to be an active soldier for Jesus Christ. I think that's the only correction you should make in the King James Bible. It should be sailor. But, 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 that's what the Holy Spirit wrote, so we're going to leave it just like that. I'll, I'll, I'll put in a correction when I get to heaven. I don't think you'll listen to me, but hey, anything's worth a shot. But he's deceptive in his attempt. He says, he goes, he says, and when Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Oh, please tell me. And he sent them to Bethlehem. He knew right where they were supposed to go. He's already been told that. They knew exactly where to look. They never did. Brother, I'll tell you what, you, you can't lose the excitement about Jesus Christ. You cannot lose it. You can't say Christmas is over and now I've got till, till Easter to worry about. No. I'm telling you what, what you need to do, you need to find something to just get you lit up and keep you lit up until, until we have a revival. New Year's Eve, we got a sign-up thing back here. You say, well, I don't like to preach. You ought to do it anyways. You say, I'll make a fool of myself. I do it all the time. Why? Who cares? Are you doing it for Jesus or are you doing it for yourself? They're deceptive in his attempt to locate the new king. He's determined to eliminate the challenger. Go to verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth and sent forth and slew all the children, little girls and little boys. This man killed everybody in Bethlehem, all the, all the children two years old and under, trying to get rid of the king. Boy, you know, the Lord says, you can't do it. You can't get rid of Jesus, no matter what you do. 
if they could, if they could have got rid of that body, Jesus is still there. You can't get rid of Jesus. And Jesus is going to protect that thing. You know what? You can almost bet your salvation 100% on passages like this right here. Then you got the chief priests and scribes, the ignorant men. I don't want to be an ignorant man. They were the keeper of the scriptures. Go back up to uh, verse 4. He says, and when he, Herod, had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded, demanded, didn't ask him. He says, you tell me where he's supposed to be born. They knew just like that where he's supposed to be. Why weren't they looking? Why would, they didn't care. They were complacent too. They know, brethren, we know stuff that this world doesn't know. And somehow we should maintain that stuff in our heart and be happy about it all year round. That was perfect when he said that during the, uh, the offertory invitation. All year round, man, somebody should look at you and say, what have you got that I haven't got? I want something of what you got. And you say, I got Christmas in my heart all year. <laughs> my daughter made me some cookies. They always say I'm negative about everything. But she made me some of them little white cookies. But they're not round. They're supposed to be round. Hers are flat, like this big and about that thick. No, they're about that big around, and they're thick, but they're not flat, and they're not round. They're supposed to be, they're supposed to be what do they call those things, snowballs or, or Russian tea cakes. I'm like, then she goes, is that all you do is complain about everything? As I'm stuffing them in my face. <laughs> yes, they should be round. I could get more in there. <laughs> Brother, I'm telling you what, man, this, we got a Bible that we, we should not even worry. These guys should be keepers of the Scripture. They should know exactly what they're doing. They should be adamant in what they're, they're teaching and knowing. And they should have been looking for Jesus. We Every day of our week, we should be looking for Jesus. I think he should come back today. He didn't come back this morning, but maybe he'll come back this afternoon. And if he don't come back this afternoon, maybe he'll be back before the service is over. I'm getting ready to shut down right now. I'm telling you, I'm on the last thing. You ain't going to believe this. I'm going to be done by 1230. Beth, you better quit your laughing. <laughs> they were keepers of the scripture. He demanded of them, and they said unto him, they knew right where the verses were, in Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophets. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people. They did not want to be ruled by anybody. They weren't looking for him. They didn't want him to come. Somehow, man, we, brother, I think sometimes we, we get our lives so wrapped up into this world, we forget that Jesus is going to come one of these days. And when he does, we're going to go out of there. I think some of us are going to be going out like this feet first. And they're still going to be holding on to the ground, man. They're going, like, no, no, I want to take this with me. It ain't going to go. Everything you got is going to stay right here. And you need to be ready to let that thing go at any minute. They was not prepared for the Messiah's arrival. Why did the wise men, when they came, why did that trouble everybody so bad? Somebody comes in there and says, hey, is Jesus coming back today? That wouldn't trouble me at all. I said, no. Well, yeah, maybe he can, but he hasn't yet. Why? Because I'm still here. People said, what do you do if you walk in and everybody's gone? I said, that won't happen. Why? Because I'll be gone too. So I don't have to worry about that. Why, what makes you think you'll be gone? People say, how do you know you're saved? Because Jesus said it. <laughs> I, that's all I know. I just know I need to trust him. Ignorant men, wise men, they're excited. You know, wise, you'd be all excited if you were wise. I think wise is about the best place to be. Ignorant men, and then we got Jesus. You get over there, and, and they pop up in verse uh, 10, where it says, when they saw the star, they were they rejoiced, the, the wise men, with exceeding great joy. They're still outside of the house. And when they were come into the house, not a manger, a house, they saw the young child. Could you imagine Jesus sitting there? We got Wally. Wally's, what, eight months, seven months? Seven? Nine. It's that way. Nine months. But I mean, I could just see a little, little uh, two-year-old boy just sitting there, curly hair, just looking all like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. <laughs> I mean, all God, all God, 100% God. In a little boy. I mean, just could you imagine Mary and the conversations her and Joseph had for those first couple of years? I mean, I, I, there's, it's impossible for me to even think what he did in that house for those two years. We know nothing about his life up to the time he was 12, except for this right here, then 12. And I'm sitting there going, what could that man have done, that young boy had done with the power that he had inside him? I mean, what in the world? It just, I would love to have a book of what Jesus did from the time he was born to then. I mean, it just, it would boggle your mind. I know he had to do something, but it's not written. But Mary and Joseph watched that. 
they could probably really care less of what was going on in Jerusalem. And they could care less what was going on in Galilee. All they cared about was what was going on in their home. And they're sitting at home, and they get a knock. And they open the door, and here's these three crazy kings out there going, or some kings. We three kings of Orient. We don't know if it was three. There could have been a hundred. I have no idea how many of them was. There, could have been, there was some. They had three gifts, and I bet you their gifts were big enough that it took one at least. Each one of them carried it. I bet you they didn't have their flunkies carry their gift. I bet you they carried their gift in by themselves. If they're going to give something to Jesus, they're going to give it to Jesus, not somebody else. I don't want nobody to give anything I got. If I'm going to give something, it's going to be mine, and I'm going to give it to him. And I want, well, he's already known I'm going to give it to him. But Mary and Joseph, they were just at home, verse 11. It says, and and when they were come into the house, they saw the young child. I bet you Jesus could talk, he said, what took y'all so long? I've been waiting on y'all for like 4,000 years. He said, y'all should have been here like 15 minutes ago. He said, I planned, I planned this 4,000 years ago. Where in the world were you guys at? You say, where's that in the scripture? It's not, but we're talking about God here. Mary and Joseph were home with Jesus. Probably had no idea the wise men were on their way. Could care less. Jesus knew it. Wise men arrived with gifts. Fell down and worshipped. Brother Joe talked about that Wednesday night. The most, the most, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, exposed position you could be is on your face. I mean, that's exactly where these, these three men had never met that child before, never knew who that child was. They saw him and knew who he was, and they fell right down. Anybody's got a star over their house, I'm going to fall down in front of that guy. That's the only person on this planet. Everybody like that? He gets my, he gets my worship, and they worshiped him. We worry sometimes, or we are afraid to let go of, of what we think the stigma of, of the, our ability to to maintain a perfect, you know, I don't care, man. I mean, I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'm talking about God manifested in flesh. I'm going to really let go of it. I've seen, I, my, one of the best preachers I've ever seen in my life was Harry Nix. Yeah, I've seen him. Y'all ever heard that song by uh, Gary Duty? I was in the church the day he did that over charity. I was sitting there when he did that, man, slid down it, and he's screaming and yelling and hollering and all this stuff. I said, man... Now, if that wasn't the time he did it, boy, it sure looked like that. And you know that guy was excited? I like excited preachers, man. I like guys like that. You know why? Because I need that. I need to, every now and then to raise my voice just a little bit more than what it is right now. Why? So I can get excited. I think we ought to scream and shout about Jesus coming. One of these days he will. They arrived. They gave, his, gave with gifts, man. They just didn't come. They had gifts with them. They were ready to give. Why? Because he's the king. They departed, following not the lead, following the lead of God, which was wise. They were going to go back and tell Herod, but the Lord said, don't do that. Go another way. Joseph, then after they leave, Joseph gets the word in verse 13. And when they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. And he said, Joseph, you can't stay here any longer. You got to get the kid. You got to get Jesus out of here and take him down south. And he goes, Herod's going to come through. You know, the Lord could have stopped all that, but he didn't. And there's so much stuff people say all the time. He says, why didn't the Lord do this? Because he didn't. And there's going to be suffering in life. There's just no way you can get out of it. Uh, I'd like to say suffering just would go away. And, and once you become a Christian, everything is rosy and, and everything's fine. It's not that way. I've been doing this for 42 years. It's not that way. It has not been that way for me. It's not been that way for anybody I've ever known. Trials and tribulations come, and that's what makes us sometimes. That's what makes you what you are is the things you have to go through in life. And Joseph didn't hesitate. He did what, you know what? The Lord told him, hey, I'm going to give you a boy. And you're going to take care of him. He's not going to be your son, but I want you to take care of him. He's mine. Joseph said, okay. Two years earlier, now the angel comes back and says, hey, you need to get out of Dodge. Joseph said, I'm out of here, man. You know what you learn sometimes? You learn to listen and then obey. Don't question, just obey. Hey, Lord, can I go up at the mountain? No, I said, go to Egypt. Why? Because I got a verse in the Bible there. I'm going to call my son out of Egypt. <laughs> I just need to get him down there so I can call him back out of there eventually. And then match the scripture. Because it's going to match the scripture. I wrote the book, man. It has to be just like I wrote it. You get that thing, it's like, and then there's wise men, ignorant men, and then Jesus. And Joseph follows him. I got this last little thing and I'll be done. Look at that. I got, I got seven minutes. Can I do it? Wise men are no longer with us. They're gone. They've been gone for 2,000 years. 
the ignorant men of this story, they're gone too. And you don't know where they all went. I bet you the wise men are in heaven. Could be wrong. The ignorant men, I, I pretty much, I know where they went if they hadn't done something about it. Psalm 49.10 says, For he's seen that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish, and leaveth their wealth to others. Ecclesiastes 2.16, Solomon's talking, he says, For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever, seeing that that which now is in the days to come shall be all forgotten. Most people, you couldn't name people that 500 years ago if they weren't but huge people in the country. If they weren't notable, like, like Washington or any of them, you wouldn't know who they were, just the average everyday person. You wouldn't know whether they wise or fool. They just went away. There's been a lot of brothers and sisters of, of ours that have passed away over the years we know nothing about. They were wise. You know what? They died just like the fool did. They all die. We all die. He goes, he goes on and says, And how dieth the wise man? As the fool. So the wise men are in the story are gone. The ignorant men in the story are gone. Then there's a the young child, Jesus, but he's still alive. He's been alive for eternity. And he's going to be alive in eternity. And when you get in him, you're going to be alive too. You know you're alive someplace. You're either in hell for eternity or in heaven for eternity. I had this little quote from a guy one time. He says, here is a man who was born in an obscure village. Talking about Jesus. The child of a peasant woman. He grew up in an obscure village. He worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. And then uh, for three years, he was an itinerant teacher. He went around. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never owned a home. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never traveled 200 miles from his uh, uh, house, place where he was born. He never did one thing that un uh, usually accompanies greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He had nothing to do with this world except the power of his divine manhood. While still a young man, he, uh, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him, Peter, good old brother Peter. Uh, he was turned over to his enemies. He went through a mockery of a trial. He was nailed uh, between two thieves. His executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth while he was dying, his coat. When he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed grave. Nineteen centuries later, we're still talking about him. And he's not a little baby no more. And he is not a young child anymore. He's the king. Take your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter 1. I'll stop right here. All the army. Now, man, this hurt me. This hurt me bad. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever were built, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerful as that one solitary life. Jesus Christ. One life changed the world. It should. He made it. <laughs> I mean, he can do whatever he wants, brother. And I don't know about you, but boy, every time I see stuff like this, right, Revelation chapter 1. I like this, man. I just like it. It's good. It's a good book. You say, you really believe that? You bet I do. I said, don't wake me up. If I'm dreaming, leave me alone. Go away. <laughs> I, like, I just like it. He says, I, John, verse 9, I was in the Spirit, saying, Alpha, you've got to be in the Spirit. I turned to see the voice, and in the midst, verse 13, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, and girt about uh, the paths with a golden girdle, his head and his hair were white as like wool, and white as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire, man. <laughs> Coming right out at you. I can see that. I can just see him doing that, man. It's cool. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like to go see that. I want to be standing behind him when he does it because that'll hurt. I know that, that'll hurt bad. <laughs> and he goes, and his feet were like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. He done went to hell for me, man. He's down there. He's done, done that. Been there, done that. Got the T-shirt. His countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet dead. You should, man. That's the best place to be. And he laid. You know how much he loves you? He said, hey, come on, man. Let's get up. Get up. Come on, come on. Get up. It's not that bad, man. You'll get used to it after a while. Just get up. Get up. <laughs> It'll take a while, man, probably an eternity or two. You'll get to it eventually. And he says, and I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not. Boy, what a comfort. Amen. You don't have to fear me. You're on my side. You don't have to fear me. 
I got on your side, Lord, 1980 on the back porch in Louisville, Kentucky. If you're in here today and you've never got on his side, you know what you need to do is get on his side. If you're on his side, you don't have to fear him. You never have to. I hear people say, well, I'm scared. I'm, why? Now, hey, man, he can hurt me. I know that. But, boy, he can comfort me, too. He can, he can comfort me while he's hurting me at the same time. Probably make you feel good about getting hurt. I have no idea. He's God. You know what our problem is today? We got complacent. And the holidays come through and put on a couple extra pounds, and we worried more about getting the pounds. I don't care about no pounds. He, he says he'll make you fat, man. The liberal soul so he made fat. I'm getting there, man. That was a positive verse, too. I think skinny people ought to get fat. <coughs> make the rest of us feel good. All the armies, man. I'm done here. All the armies and all the navies that ever built and all the parliaments that ever sat and all the kings that ever reigned put together, all the countries out there, all of them, have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as that one solitary life did. Jesus Christ, the greatest thing ever happened to you if you're saved, the greatest thing. There is nothing that can be compared to that. Those wise men were wise, and the ignorant men were ignorant. But they're all gone, but Jesus is still alive. If you're going to get to heaven today, you've got to get through Jesus. There is no other way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. And he's got a mansion on the other side. And I'll tell you what, if he said he has a mansion for you, it ain't like nothing you've ever seen. Because when he goes to do something, he does it right. You know, man still can't fix this thing the right way. The best they can do is that. But when he does it, he could come and touch that thing today, and he could make my hand work like that if he wanted to. Paul said, Lord, I, 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 he said, I sought the Lord thrice to remove it. And I said, shut up, man. I bet you Paul, when he got done, I said, hey, Lord, could you give me like three or four more of them? If that's, if that's what I need to serve you, then give me more. Because the service to Jesus Christ is the best thing you'll ever do on this planet. He's out of the manger. It's good to remember that. we got stories in our Bibles. If you read your Bible once or twice a year, you read that story twice a year. Or once a year. That story is there. So you know what he wants to do? He wants you to remember his birth. He also wants you to remember his death. He wants you to remember his life. And we have one life to give. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only that. Only that. Do something for Jesus. Don't let this time go away and get right back in the rut of life and forget about it. Father, thank you for your many blessings today. Lord, I just pray that you'd bless us and help us not to forget you. Lord, this time of season is now coming to a draw, and we have lots of family members we still talk to and go around. But, Lord, the most important thing was you. And these wise men came a long way to see a young child. Lord, we're 2,000 years from that, and you're no longer a young child anymore. You're a king of kings and lord of lords. <clears throat> Lord, one of these days you're going to come back and get us. Lord, help us to be prepared for that. Help us not to waste the time that we have. Lord, but to use it for your honor and your glory. And Lord, again, thank you most of all for our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>